just this thought for just a few moments. This can be very brief. You guys okay with that? Because um, there's some really good food downstairs. Amen? But um, I will keep this brief. But uh, we're going to look at this subject of our great high priest just for a few moments as we think about communion. In a few moments we will have communion together. But I want you to see the, what we call the Last Supper, or we could call it the First Communion, found in Luke chapter 22. In Luke 22, verses 14 through 20. Um, the Bible, do you have that one up there? The Bible says this, it's Jesus in the upper room. He says, and when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles, they reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly, eagerly or excitingly desired to eat this Passover with you before. Will you say these next words with me? He said what? I suffer. The Lord knew he was about to suffer. And he says, I, I, I've anticipated this moment. He says, I was excited to have and share this moment with you. He says, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. He says, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. And notice this in the same way. After supper. Remember that cup that he, he took and he divided. He says that after the supper he took the cup. And he, he said this. This cup is the new covenant. Or this new testament. This new covenant. Notice what this new covenant is sealed in. It's sealed he says in my blood. Which is poured out for you. We know this as what we call the Last Supper, but this was really what we would consider the very first communion. This Last Supper that Jesus is having with his disciples. It's interesting to me because Jesus said this, as we read this passage, he said, I've eagerly desired to spend this time with you, to spend this moment with you in time. He said, before I suffer. May I remind you of something? Jesus knew everything that he was about to go through. In fact, everything he's about to go through, he symbolizes by taking the juice, taking the fruit of the vine and dividing it and spreading it out amongst the table. He then takes the bread. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he breaks it and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. And then later at the end of the supper, he then takes the, the fruit of the vine and obviously just the, the symbolism there. He says, this is going to be my my, my, my blood that's poured out for you to, to establish this new testament, this new covenant. We're reminded that later as Jesus is hanging on the cross and when he cries out, it is finished, the veil in the temple was torn, the Bible says, from what? From top to bottom. You see, this new covenant, this new testament means that Jesus Christ is the high priest. That we have access to the very throne of God. That you and I, as the New Testament teaches, Peter says that you and I, we are priests. And can I say this to you? That means that even women are priests. Amen? It's not just a male thing, guys. Peter says that we all are priests. Meaning this is that Jesus Christ is our great 
high priest. And we have what's called the priesthood of believers, meaning this is that we have direct access that God himself tore the veil, giving us access to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Amen. Timothy said it like this. Paul said to Timothy, I'm sorry. Paul said to Timothy, he said, there is one mediator between God and men, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our mediator. He is our high priest. Look what Paul says in Corinthians. It says this, speaking of Jesus, it says this. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, understand that Jesus Christ is our high priest. That Jesus Christ is the one who mediates between God and men. And that each and every one of us have the ability to call out to him. Why? Because he took our sin upon himself. He became sin for us. As Jesus was in the upper room, I find this very interesting. He says this, I have eagerly desired to have this moment with you, to have this fellowship with you before I suffer. In fact, if you were to read the rest of the chapter, the Bible says that he says, one of you is going to betray me. And he mentions that Judas will betray him. If you've ever questioned the love that Christ has for us, that unconditional love, think about this, this moment in the upper room. As Jesus says, I'm about to go and suffer and give my life for you. He is speaking to Judas, the man who is about to leave in a matter of moments to go out and later betray Jesus with a kiss. Yet Jesus said, I'm, I, I want to share this time with you. How about Peter? Peter who denies the Lord and denies him over and over again and curses and swears and says, I don't know the Lord. Yet Jesus desired to have supper with him. What about his own chosen disciples? The one, the Bible says, the, the ones who forsook him, they all fled. They left him high and dry. Jesus said, I still eagerly desired to have fellowship with you. By the way, how about you and I this morning? Are we perfect? Jesus, in his unconditional love, he said, I still, even though I know what you're about to do, Judas, you're about to betray me, but I still want to have this fellowship with you. Peter, you're going to deny me and you're going to curse and you're going to swear and you're going to crush my, my, my heart. You're going to break my heart, but I still desire to spend time with you and to spend this moment with you. Peter and James and John and, and the others, he says, you're going to, you're going to forsake me. You're going to run. Think about this. Think about this. As he's thinking of these things, yet he still desires to have fellowship with them. We have this idea that in order to come to the table, so to speak, or to come into God's kingdom, that we have to come perfect. Can I tell you something? None of us can do that. Amen. 
We think that if you're here and you think you have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus, you have nothing to clean yourself up with because the only thing that can cleanse you of your sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus sat at this table with sinners. He was accused of, of sharing bread with sinners. I'm glad that Jesus shared bread with sinners because I'm a sinner and so are you. He took my sin upon himself, Corinthians said. Look at Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6. We just sang these words. It says this, he was despised, speaking of Jesus, and rejected by mankind. Listen to these words. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Listen to these words. We're going to talk about this in a moment. Surely he took our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sin. The punishment that we deserve, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord, notice this, the Lord God, the Father, it says, laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took our sin upon himself. He, Paul says, who knew no sin, the perfect spotless lamb of God, the son of God who knew no sin. The sin of, of all mankind was placed upon Jesus Christ himself. He says, he says that all, of, all sin was placed upon Jesus. Surely he has borne our pain. Surely he has borne our suffering. Surely he has borne our sorrow. Every single evil thought and deed, every sin that you and I have ever committed, the, the things that you would want no one else to know, your deepest, darkest secrets was placed upon Jesus. The weight of that sin, the weight of that guilt, the weight of that shame came upon Jesus Christ. And as he goes into the garden, the Bible says that weight, that he, he, he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane which if you were to ever go there and find out and realize what that garden is, it's a place where they take the olives and they crush the olives. And it literally means the, 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 the place of crushing. Gethsemane is the idea and meaning the place of crushing where Jesus took the weight of sin, your sin and my sin and every, every idle word that we've ever said, every thought Every sinful, wicked thing that is offensive to God was placed upon Jesus Christ. When we think here in a moment, when we look at the, the bread and we look at the juice in a few moments and we remember, remember this. Yes, remember the physical pain that Jesus went through, the suffering and the agony. 
the amount of physical pain that Jesus bore for us. The Bible says that our punishment was placed upon him. He took our place. He was punished for us. And yes, the physical agony that he went through is beyond our human comprehension. But we oftentimes stop there. But let me remind you of a few other things that the Bible says. It talks about that he bore our, our sorrow and he bore our pain. All of it placed upon Jesus Christ. The Bible says, by his wounds we are healed. Understand this, that Jesus as he hung on the cross went through great physical pain, but we forget about that there were also other things that Jesus was experiencing. And I want to remind you of the spiritual suffering that Jesus went through. Because while Jesus was hanging there on the cross, and even in the garden, I believe he began to take the weight, literally, of the world upon his shoulders. Because the Bible says that God put our iniquity upon him. Our sin. How about this? As Jesus hung on the cross, his father had turned and could not look at his own sin because God is holy and God is a righteous God. And he turned his face from his own son and Jesus Christ felt the spiritual separation from his father that he had never experienced. And he said, my God, my God, Father, why have you forsaken me? His own father had to forsake him and turn his back on his own son because he saw my sin. He saw your sin. If you don't think that sin is ugly and that sin is disgusting in, in the eyes of a holy God, could you imagine forsaking your own child, your own son, and turning your back on your own son or your own child at their greatest time of need? You say, I could never do that. God had to do that because God is holy. Jesus experienced the weight of the sin and Jesus experienced his own father turning his back upon him. Because he became sin for us. The physical pain, the spiritual pain, but can I re remind you of something? There's the emotional, the guilt, the shame, the grief, the sorrow, the loneliness, the betrayal. The heartbreak. When I was reading this Isaiah 53, he mentions that his pain, that, he, that our pain was placed upon him, that our suffering was placed upon him. You know, look at this passage, Hebrews 4. I'm almost finished, so bear with me. Hebrews 4. But look at this passage. Verses 14 through 16. We say that Jesus is our great great high priest. What makes him such a great high priest? This is what I want you to see. The New Testament says this, speaking, this whole book of Hebrews about how Jesus is the great high priest. 
It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest. Why is he great? Well, one, it's God's son, okay, who has ascended into heaven. He's, he's in heaven interceding for us. It tells us why. Jesus, the son of God, it says, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. But here's one reason why I believe Jesus is such a great high priest. You ready? He says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted. Listen to this. In every way, in every way that you and I have been tempted or tested or tried, he says, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You know what makes Jesus Christ such a great high priest is this, is that everything that you have ever experienced, everything that you have ever gone through, he has walked in our shoes. You say, well, you don't understand. I, I've experienced heartache. He's experienced heartache. Jesus knew what it felt like to be lonely. Jesus knew what it felt like to be betrayed. Jesus knew what it felt like to be forsaken. He, listen to me, every sin was placed upon Jesus Christ. He knew what it felt like to experience guilt. He knew what it felt like to experience shame. He hung naked on the cross for all the world to see. He was spit upon and laughed at and mocked. Listen to me, understand this. What makes Jesus Christ such a great high priest is that there is nothing that you cannot bring to him that he has not experienced or felt. Amen. He says, I've taken your pain. I've taken your sorrow. We don't think about it like this, but every pain you've ever felt, physical, spiritual, or emotional, was placed upon Jesus Christ. Any trauma... Listen to me carefully. Any trauma you've ever experienced, even outside of your control, Jesus carried that. He took that. Any shame, any guilt, sorrow. And he says, Listen, I understand. I've been there. I've experienced it. I've felt it. I don't know about you, but wow. That means that when I pray and I talk to the Lord and I'm pouring out my heart and I'm speaking to him, he says, I totally get it. I totally understand. I know exactly how you feel. I don't know about you, but isn't that a beautiful thing? It makes him such an awesome, great high priest. He intercedes with empathy because he knows exactly how we feel. In Romans 8, 1 and 2, the Bible says this. I love this. Because of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed away, has washed away all of our sin. Can I say this? 
many Christians live a life filled with guilt and shame because of past or because of things. Can I tell you something? Jesus took that with him on the cross. Amen. You can be set free. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Look at these words of Jesus. I love this. Jesus said this. It's really one of his last sermons that he preaches. And he says this, come to me. These were people who were rejecting him and did not want to believe him. He was even speaking to his haters. And he said this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? In a moment, we're going to have a time of reflection and remembrance of what Christ has done for us. So I encourage you to take these out. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you've been carrying a heavy, heavy burden and heavy load. Can I tell you something? Leave it at the foot of the cross. Maybe you have been suffering with guilt and shame. There may be some of you here that you have experienced trauma in your life, things that have come into your life, pain. Sorrow, suffering, listen to me, grief. Jesus said, I've taken all that. I've, Jesus took all of it. And he wants you to cast all of your care upon him. For he cares for you, amen. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Too often we try to carry a load that God never intended for us to carry. Can't do it. The Bible calls us sheep. We're not oxen, amen, we're sheep. Sheep are not burden-bearing creatures. Can't do it. That's why we need a shepherd. That's why Jesus Christ is our great shepherd, amen? So I pray that today, as we have this time of communion and remembrance, that it's a time of healing. By his wounds, we are healed. That it is a time of, of remembrance of what Jesus has done for us, but a time to be reminded, to be reminded that, that how much the Lord loves us. He desired to have that communion and fellowship with these disciples, even though he knew that they would forsake him, betray him. Let me remind you of something. God's love for you and the love that Jesus Christ has for you, it is unconditional. It is not based upon your performance. It's based upon God's great love that he has for us. Amen? Would you take out the bread just for a moment? Would you look at the bread? Remember the body of Christ.
that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Remember the sacrifice, the physical sacrifice that he was willing to go through for us. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken and beaten, smashed, that you were willing to take the weight of the sin upon yourself. We're so thankful that by your wounds we are healed. So we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your body that you willingly gave over to those who viciously beat you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. The Bible says that in that time in the upper room that he, he gave thanks over the bread and then he said, take, eat all of it. Did you look at the juice just for a few moments? At the end of their time of supper, Jesus said, this is my blood. This is a new testament. This is a new covenant sealed in my own blood. Do you remember the blood of Christ that was poured out for us? Lord, we thank you for your precious blood, Emmanuel's blood, the blood of God himself poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. After supper, he said, take ye and drink ye all of it. After the supper, the Bible says that they sung a hymn. And then after they sung a hymn, they went out. And we know the rest of the story. And we're getting ready and preparing to celebrate the resurrection here in weeks to come. Amen? but we know the rest of the story. But we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a hymn, and then at the, after that, I'll have just a prayer for dinner, and this announcement or two, and we'll be dismissed. But let's stand together. Think about the words.